I think you have to look at what you've done. How have you gone about chasing the stream, trying to build whatever is you're building up to this point? So maybe instead of chasing that dream for an hour and a half every day, you only do it for an hour and you give that extra half hour to your spouse where you're just spending time with them, loving them, being there for them. And they're going to see that and they're going to appreciate that. And over time, they'll come around. Welcome to Star of the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley, joining us as always from Maui, Hawaii. Aloha, Kamanzi Constable. Aloha, Jared. I'm always excited to be here. All right. So, Kamanzi, today we're talking about a topic that I'm hearing a lot about, and I know you've heard a lot about over the last two years, and you've lived through it. And it's a question of, especially for our friends out there who are listening who are married, uh, and they have that significant other or their spouse that they want to get on board with this idea, this dream in their heart, this thing that they're going to go all in on. <laughs> but sometimes it's easier said than done. So, Kamanzi, how do you get your spouse on board? Yeah, and I think sometimes, too, there's not like a, a one-size-fits-all solution, but we're going to try to tackle a, a few things here. But I know like there are some circumstances where it may be experience in your guy's past or maybe your spouse's past past experience. Maybe it was a parent, family member who tried to chase a big dream and just ended up experiencing failure. There's a lot of factors at play there. But I think first, Jared, it starts with being sensitive to what your spouse is saying. So if they're trying to communicate with you and they're doing it gently, maybe not so gently, (laughs) they're giving you some of those more forceful message. What are they trying to say to you and why are they trying to say it? I know there's been times where uh, when I started this journey, especially when I was all into the dream, Jared, like I would come home from delivering bread, like 60, 60, 80 hours a week of delivering bread. And I would come home and I would just be on the computer writing a book or doing social media or doing all the quote unquote things you had to do to build like an online business. And what what would end up happening was I, I shut her out. I was just, I was so focused on the dream. I was so focused on the business. I wanted it so bad that I ended up shutting her out a lot of times. I ended up being so into it that I didn't hear her when she was talking to me. When the kids got home, I was pretty good at, I think, turning it off. But when it was just me and her, yeah, I was totally into the dream, Jared. Okay, so let's continue that. So you and Tanya, I mean, you're saying, hey, Tanya, this is, this is it. This is going to happen. And, and Tanya's like, yeah, I feel like I've heard this before. Uh, some people know that part of your story. Some don't. So let's talk about that for a moment. <laughs> yeah. And at first it was something that I had seen, like I'd discovered while I was delivering bread, I discovered podcast and the fact that I could have them on my phone. And this was in 2011. And I started with Dave Ramsey and heard his stuff. And then he talked about Dan Miller. So then I started listening to Dan Miller's podcast. And then Dan Miller talked about Pat Flynn and I started listening to Pat Flynn. And then before I knew it, you know, I had quite a few shows because I had a lot of time with driving and delivering bread to listen to these podcasts. And so I would hear about like Pat Flynn's income reports and passive income and like all this kind of stuff, Jared. And I'm like, man, I want to make like $50,000 a month being at home or being on a beach or wherever. That sounded a lot better than what I was doing. And so when I told Tanya about this, she thought she was like, oh, that's that's really cute. That's a cute hobby. You know, like <laughs> it wasn't anything that was like real to her. 
And she was fine at that point with me playing with the hobby, so to speak. But then as I got more into it, as I spent more time, and here's the X factor, Jared, here's another important factor. I spent more money. I started buying hosting and bought a, had a website design and a book cover design, and then started buying some um, programs, like some courses from some online people and hired a coach. And when I started to spend money and it started little and it got to be bigger, that's when this turned from her saying, you know, do your hobby to you're spending a lot of money on this thing. And this thing is, is not making any money. And that was fine to begin with. And she was very supportive. But then as I went on nine months into this and had spent over $6,000 and wasn't making a single penny, then it's really started to become a problem, Jared. Wow. I'm sure there's a lot of people right now who are listening saying, man, that sounds like where I'm at, where I'm putting a lot of time and I'm spending some money and I'm not uh, seeing the results from that yet. And you've been there. You knew what that was like. (laughs) (laughs) So how, how did you work through that? Well, what I had to do was we had one of those come to Jesus conversations. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We just sat down and we hashed it out for hours and there were some some heated words and crying and everything in between. But we had just one of those conversations. And I realized that you know, I can't spend $6,000 that we don't have on something that I hope would be my dream someday. And more than that, why am I spending all this money when I haven't even exhausted all my options as far as all the free content that was available out there? When I created my first ebook, I did it for free by reading Pat Flynn's ebooks The Smart Way. That's how I created my ebook and did it for free and, and figured all that out. But I, I guess I kind of thought somewhere in my head that if I just spent money on this thing, that somehow it would end up making money and, and it didn't. So I, I promised not to spend any more money at that point, that I was just going to take the knowledge that I had, what I had and what I had spent money on, and I was going to try to make this thing work. And that's what I did. And I focused on on building my audience. And, you know, a couple months later, without having spent any money, I got my first real check from Amazon, which was for like 1100 bucks for my eBooks. And that, it helped. It definitely helped. When she saw the money, when she saw it was a decent amount of money, then I think for her, this thing kind of became real in her mind. Man, I love stories like that. I you and I are going to do an episode soon called success with free information. And uh, we're going to dive into some of this deeper, but I'm sure you'd be the first to agree and say, Hey, there is a time and a place in your business or in your dream where you do need to invest and you do need to spend money. But in the very beginning, especially if your spouse is skeptical and you don't have a lot of resources to pour into something, that's not the best strategy. Well, Jared, it's kind of scary in a way, because as you know, Jared knows, because Jared knows everything. Um, I've gotten quite a few people that have said, hey, can you coach me? And usually in that initial, when they'll reach out, I'll say, yeah, how's how's it going at home? How's it going with your spouse? You know, how's it going financially? And I'm surprised, Jared, by the number of people that say, oh, well, I'm in really bad debt and I just lost my job and this and that. And then they want to hire me. And I'm like, you can't hire me. I'm not a miracle worker. (laughs) We're not going to start working together and then two days later, you're going to make $10,000. It does not work like that. It's going to take a year for you to make real money. 
And more than that, you got to get your foundation established. You got to take care of things at home. And so it's surprising and maybe even a little scary how people are willing to spend money when things aren't quite right at home yet. Your foundation isn't quite established. You shouldn't be thinking about spending money, I think, Jared, in my personal opinion, until after you've exhausted all your options with the free stuff. You've gone out there, you've gotten the books, you've gotten the knowledge, you watched the videos, you listened to the podcast, you've implemented what you've heard, the strategies, you've made some progress, you're moving forward. Then it might be time to start thinking about spending money. But when you do it, when you're not ready, that's when you have problems with your spouse. And understandably so. You can't spend money that you don't really have on something that you hope one day will take off. You got to do the work on your own first and then think about hiring somebody. What are you seeing in your world, Jared, when it comes to the people that are reaching out to you with that? Well, I know podcast movement, we we were able to create podcast movement from really from nothing. I mean, we didn't invest any of our own money. We invested a, a tremendous amount of time and we used the crowdfunding campaign. And then from there, we sold tickets. So it wasn't like we were squandering money we didn't have, but we did put tons and tons and tons of time into that. And I know that was a source of frustration for my wife. And so it was very important to me to have her and Lana attend podcast movement the first year and this last one. So this work is for, and um, while we're not seeing the results that we'd like to see financially yet, the foundation's there. And I think right now we're in a place where uh, we're just trying to work smarter and not harder. And we got a good foundation, but yeah, it's just, uh, it's been tough for us too. I mean, even with the success of podcast movement, you know, I'm having to explain stuff to people in my family and, and friends and, and they don't get it. <laughs> you know, <they're> yeah. like, <laughs> they, they don't understand. Like you're, you're putting all this time and energy into something and, and you're not, you know, making a full-time income doing it. And, you know, I, I, I was talking to Joshua Sheets from Radical Personal Finance. Uh, he and I had lunch the other day. He, a total gentleman, took me to lunch and, and he uh, told me about, you know, and this is the things that, you know, Kamanzi and I know, but he was talking about how startups, when they first start their business, you know, they're not making money at all those first few years. And that's just kind of the standard. I mean, there's a lightning in the bottle example every now and then, but most startups aren't making money. They aren't even breaking even the first few years and podcast movement. You know, we've been fortunate. We have not lost money. And so, you know, I, I think these are good proof of concepts, but to your point, I mean, I, I've had to take some hard looks at my schedule, at my, where I'm spending my time, what decisions I'm making, I'm having to make some adjustments and it's humbling and it's tough. And, it, and you talked about how you and Tanya had a conversation where there was tears and there was, you know, some frustration and Rachel, my wife and I, we've had those conversations and it, it's no fun, but at the end of the day, Man, I know nobody has my back like my wife, Rachel. She has proven it time and time again. And if anything, that's just been fuel for me to be a good steward of my marriage, of my relationship with my wife and daughter, of our resources, and then also be relentless, kind of like you were, Kamanzi, a few years ago. I mean, you put in that hour, those 60, 80 hours with the bread, you spent time with the kids, and then you wrote a book. And then you you know, took the free information and worked through that. So that, that's a question I had for you, actually, is from the conversation you had with Tanya, that come to Jesus talk to that initial check from Amazon, what was that time period? It was a couple months after that. And what ended up happening was I agreed 
not to spend any more money on this thing. And then practically what we did was we would meet every week and we would have like, let's just call them like progress reports, <laughs> progress yeah. reports, talks with, where we'd sit down. I tell her what was going on in the business. She was involved. She knew she was starting to understand. And she even started to help out where she could, like she'd promote the book on her social media and little, you know, the little things that she could do like that, which were invaluable that we were doing this together. And so that, that was one, just really having those conversations with my spouse. And I definitely advise that for you that are listening to this, have conversations with your spouse. Maybe they might not get it at first. They might not understand, you know, SEO or affiliate marketing or Periscope or whatever, but you can help them understand. You can tell them what these things are. So have those meetings. And then once we had those meetings, um, then Tanya was able to help me. And one skill that she has is she can see what I cannot see because I kind of have the blinders on. I have the dream chasing blinders. That's what we're going to call them. And she could see, hey, maybe you should be spending your time here and doing this and you would get better results. And she was right. She saw that. And once I did, once I spent my time ignoring all the bright, shiny objects, or as our friend Patrice Washington likes to say, Jared, shiny monkey syndrome, <laughs> shiny monkey syndrome, yep. shiny monkey syndrome. So instead of looking at like seeing income report or SEO thing or whatever, I didn't chase all that stuff anymore. I focused simply on just building my audience and getting uh, my book out there and adding value. And once I did that and I started getting like a little bit of exposure through guest posting, as most of you know, that's how I got built my audience initially. Then a few people came and they bought the books. And it was a good month. I guest posted for uh, Michael Hyatt in March. And that was a really big one for me. And so a couple months later, that check came from Amazon. I was shocked, but I guess I wasn't shocked because I had seen what the, the efforts were producing that I was putting in. But let's not kid ourselves either. I mean, that first check you mentioned that while it, that was exciting and that was a proof of concept, that's not enough money for you to quit delivering bread. No, <laughs> you know, so. not even close. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, and, and yeah, so let's talk about that for a minute. I mean, while you're encouraged and you're, you you say, okay, there there is something here, you're not in the clear yet. I mean, you haven't won Tanya's full modal confidence yet. So let's go there. Like, how long was it after you got that first check from Amazon to when you actually started having some real money come in that was enough for you to say, okay, I can walk away from the day job? The real money wouldn't have come in until almost six months later. And so I had gotten the money coming in from Amazon. I was doing the guest posting. I was getting some exposure. Self-publishing was new. I was selling a few books. And then about a month later, maybe-ish, I got an invitation to come speak at a conference in West Virginia, Huntington, West Virginia. And it was my first paid gig, Jared. They paid all my expenses for me to come out to Huntington, West Virginia. And I got a big speaking fee, Jared, of $150. Like, woohoo, $150. Heck yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so many people are listening to this. They're like, hey, I'll take it. Yeah. You know, they're, they're speaking for free. I'm, I speak for free. I, I, I think 150 bucks is a win. It was a win. And so that kind of got Tanya excited. But then that led to a few other speaking opportunities. And in, by the end of... 2012-ish, so let's say like October-ish. By that point, I had made about uh, $12,000 from speaking, speaking income, because I had gotten, once I got the offer and then I got another offer, I, Jared knows me, 
I'm a pretty relentless person. I thought, man, if somebody's inviting me, I can find speaking gigs on my own. And so that's what I did. I spent a lot of time looking for speaking gigs, especially the paid ones. And I went and I spoke as much as I could. So that was one income stream. The books had really taken off by that point. I had just posted about 50 times. I had gotten on a lot of podcasts. The book sales were really good. Every time Amazon sent a check, it was always like two. There were times where I, I remember the biggest check that I ever got at one point was something like $43,000. It was a, wow. Yeah, it was a, a crazy, crazy check. That was from Amazon? From Amazon, yeah. From, Man. Yeah. From my two self, I had two self-published books, and I don't think a lot of people realize that my second self-published book is what got picked up by the publisher. So I had two self-published books. They were cranking. I had the speaking. People had started to ask me about coaching, and I didn't really feel comfortable with that at first, but it was another income stream. It was a higher income stream. So I started some coaching, and that brought in some money. I had affiliate stuff going on. So there was like six or, oh, and then the biggest thing that I did in 2012, Jared, while I was living in Milwaukee was I got my first consulting contract with the company. And it was a guy who owned a McDonald's franchise in Milwaukee. And he had like his company had a terrible social media presence. And I would see him at the gym at one of the gyms there in Milwaukee. And I just went up to him one day and said, hey, your company has a terrible social media presence. Pay me 500 bucks and I'll help you improve this. And he was like, OK. And so that was my um, first consulting contract. And then once I did it, <laughs> yeah, at the gym. I like that, huh? Yeah, yeah. Just like, hey, I didn't know any better. I saw him. But what it did was when I did a good job for him, he recommended me to some of his buddies, some other business owners in Milwaukee. And so that led to um, a decent amount. It was uh, like $1,500 a month in consulting work with a few different companies in Milwaukee. So come August, October, November of 2012, I had a business through like six or seven different revenue streams that was consistently bringing in about $5,000 a month. And when we got the bigger checks from Amazon, we used all of that money to pay off debt. Like we didn't play with it. We didn't buy toys. We just used all of it to pay off debt. But between the paying off the debt, the business making about five grand a month, that's when I felt comfortable at the end of 2012 taking the leap. Okay. So, I mean, you, you had a very smart strategy. You weren't quitting the job until you were making enough money to at least replace that full-time income. And you... I mean, you just made it work in the spare time that you had. And I think that's a, a challenge for a number of listeners is I've got the day job. I've got my family responsibilities. Now you're telling me I got to, <laughs> you know, get all this work done in time that I, you know, barely sleep. Yeah. yeah. I, but that's really what you did. Come on. I mean, you, you, you didn't sleep. How did you sleep? I did not sleep and I would not advise you do what I did. I'm a person that's like an all or nothing person and that helps and it hurts. Because I would sleep like three hours a night and I don't advise that at all. It's not healthy. Don't do it. <laughs> Please don't do it. But I would sleep like three hours a night. And I'd been used to that, Jared, because for the 12 years prior doing bread, I didn't get any sleep during that time either. I was always starting the bread route at, a, at midnight or even earlier sometimes. And so when kids had activities, when we had stuff at home, I didn't get any sleep. And so I was just kind of used to it, I guess. But I would I would not advise that at all. And what I would tell you, too, like Jared was saying, you have to focus your time. I think that's the most important thing, because there's a thousand things that you can do and you think that you should do. But if they're not and if they won't help you where you're specifically at, 
you're just, you're going to be kind of wasting your time. And I see that a lot. People that want to try, like, you know, let's just go Periscope and Blab. Jared and I were talking about this. Those are great tools, but are they going to be great for what you, where you're at and what you're doing? So it's, it's really examining the opportunities and seeing if they're going to help you or if they're just going to be a distraction. Well, you and I have another podcast episode that's coming up probably in the next few weeks. It's called The Same Audience Syndrome. <laughs> and while I love Periscope and I love Blab and I think those things are amazing, to your point, it some people just get caught in this cycle of I'm just uh, marketing to really the same old people that are trying to market to me. So um, we're going to talk about that more later. But yeah, I, I, I see that. And I think people, if they're wise, they're going to hear this episode and really consider, okay, you know, what, what do I need to be spending my time? And let's talk about quick wins, uh, come on, because money talks. If you really want to get your spouse on board, you know, it's something that is not taking away tons of time from the family. And it's, uh, or if it is taking away time from the family, it's, it's at least delivering financially. So what are some quick wins that people could consider or what mindset should they be thinking toward quick wins that might be helpful to get their spouse on board? Yeah. Well, what's the mindset is I'm not going to spend a bunch of money and hope that it's going to lead to money. So have that mindset first and foremost. And then second, the mindset that you're going to communicate with your spouse as much as possible. Some of them might not even like understand, but just help them along the way. So have that mindset. You're going to be open. You're going to be honest. You're going to communication and be honest to feedback. (laughs) That's one, Jared, that I struggle with where Tanya gave me feedback. Like, when I started coaching and she said I was coaching somebody and I was coaching them for like $47 an hour or something like that. Right. Just cause I wanted to make money. And she would say, is $47 an hour worth your time? And is it worth it considering that you're helping this person do this, this, and this? And I would shoot back like, no, you just don't understand. You don't get it. But she was right. It wasn't worth my time. And especially for the value that I was bringing. So be open to that feedback. And then as far as quick wins go, Focus on the things, and it's not always about money, so we don't want you to think that's what we're saying. It's not always about money, but if you are building a dream, a business, a online business, whatever, if you want to be a profitable podcaster, coach, speaker, whatever it is, there does have to be some money involved. So when it comes to spending your time and your efforts, spend them on things that will eventually lead to a little bit of income. So instead of jumping on Periscope and Blab just to be on there, maybe you have something in the background. Like uh, I heard uh, somebody else said this, Jared, I don't know who it was. Maybe it was Pat Flynn or somebody like that said, have like a whiteboard in the background with your website and some information and blah, blah, blah. Have like a clear purpose for what you're doing that will eventually lead to income and it will eventually lead to customers. So focus on things that are going to lead to a little bit of, of income. Don't be afraid to sell. I know that's a struggle of a lot of us. We don't like to sell. You don't have to be the hardcore internet marketer person, but you definitely can't be afraid to say, hey, this is what I offer and this is how much it costs and it will add value because we know you're going to put value into that thing. So don't be afraid to sell. And then as far as quick wins, here's another thing, Jared, that we haven't talked about a lot and I'm sure we will. Focus on your some of your efforts on the offline world. It doesn't always have to be online. I reached out to that dude at the gym in Milwaukee. I've 
called event organizers for conference and said, hey, I'd like to be your speaker. So reach out to the offline world and see where there's opportunities, even where you live in your neighborhood, wherever you want to coach. Why don't you put an ad out on Craigslist? (laughs) And it sounds cheesy, but it has worked and it's worked a lot for me in the past. So don't just focus on the online world. Look at opportunities in the offline world as well. That's good. All right. So come on, this is our final thought for today. So for the person who's listening, saying my spouse is not on board, they're not going to be on board with this particular idea. I'm discouraged. What encouragement do you have for someone who wants thought they wanted to go in a certain direction, but the spouse is just saying absolutely not? I think you have to look at what you've done. How have you gone about chasing the stream, trying to build whatever is you're building up to this point? And get really honest about what you've done. Have there been things that you've done that have pushed her away and if or pushed them away? Sorry. If there are things that you've done, it's time to correct your mistake. Apologize and correct your mistake. But if there's nothing you've done, maybe it's just something from their past or they just don't see it or don't get it. You can try to communicate as much as possible and try to give them extra time. So maybe instead of chasing that dream for an hour and a half every day, you only do it for an hour and you give that extra half hour to your spouse where you're just spending time with them, loving them, being there for them. And they're going to see that and they're going to appreciate that. And over time, they'll come around. And if they're really resistant, like they just say, no way, this is you know not going to work, then look at that dream and be honest with yourself. Is this something that is what you should be doing, what you want to be doing? Just have a really honest conversation with yourself. And maybe it might not be worth sacrificing the relationship. It's definitely not worth sacrificing the relationship if she's just really, really vehemently opposed and there's a good reason for it. So it's time to just get honest with yourself, get honest about the dream and figure out what what is really going on here. I like how you said, you know, make sure things at home are are right beforehand. And for somebody who's listening today, the answer is not chase your dream. The answer is listen to Dave Ramsey and get out of debt. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Prove that to your spouse that you can get out of debt. And then once you've won that favor from your your spouse and they see, hey, this is, you know, someone who's taking some things serious and and making some progress, that's going to earn you more goodwill toward taking steps toward other things. So that might be a harsh word for some to hear, but I think that's a really good point that you made, Kamanzi. You know, start with home. What do you need to do to get right at home? Because if you're not right at home, it's going to spill over into everything else that you're doing, and it's going to have an impact on what you're wanting to pursue. And I think the biggest thing a mentor told me when I started this, I believe it was, it was Dan Miller told me this when we were talking one time. He said, the, the dream has to fit into your life not your life into the dream. The life part has to come first. Mm, That's good. Well, Kamadi, I really appreciate it. Uh, We're going to get back together here soon and and put out another episode on uh, success with free information. Of course, you got a lot of travel coming up, some international speaking. You're going to Europe and Israel. Let's talk about that for a second. Yeah, I leave. We're recording this on a Sunday. I leave on Tuesday. I had, I'll be in Madrid, Spain and Marrakesh, Morocco. Maybe Jared and I could record like an international episode over Skype, free Wi-Fi while I'm there. Cool. Yeah, that is cool. We'll do a vi- we should do a video episode for Star of the Doubts, Jared. Like, let, yeah, yeah let, let, let them see a little video. I think that'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, uh, let me ask you this. Are you going to be recording any of your talks? Because maybe that could be a, a future. Episode. Oh, yeah, be- absolutely. 
Yeah, I'm okay. I'm recording. And if you guys uh, follow me on, on social media, you know, I'm relentless about pictures and recording. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. All right. So, Kamanji, thanks again. And uh, yeah, we'll talk soon about success with free information. Focus on your some of your efforts on the offline world. It doesn't always have to be online. I reached out to that dude at the gym in Milwaukee. I've called event organizers for conferences and said, hey, I'd like to be your speaker. So reach out to the offline world and see where there's opportunities, even where you live in your neighborhood. 